0: Psalm 115, where I want you to notice with me a little statement of truth. And it's really a spiritual principle first noted all the way back in the Garden of Eden. It is later expounded upon by Paul in Romans and then emphatically reiterated by John in the book of Revelation. It is an astonishing truth that I hope and pray all of us here will just take a hold of as the people of God. We begin in verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them, those idols, are like unto them, and so is everyone that trusteth in them. In other words, now follow this, when men take gold or silver or a block of wood, and when they take those materials and they fashion for themselves some idol of worship, they will make that little idol with eyes. They'll put some little eyes in there and some ears. They will fashion on their idol some sort of little mouth, and then they'll pray to it. And they'll seek His help. And of course, the problem is with eyes and ears, they still can't see and they still cannot hear. With this formed mouth that they gave to their idol, it still cannot breathe and it still cannot talk. That is the nature and the folly of all idolatry. It's interesting. The Bible says that God breathed into man. The breath of life and man became a living soul As the very essence of the spiritual life it comes from the one God who has spiritual breath and these mouths on these idols have no real breath. But that is not the principle and that is not exactly the precept in Scripture that we're going to consider today. That is not the all-encompassing truth that applies to everyone who seeks to worship anything or anyone other than their creator. For that truth, we look at verse 8. It says, they that make them are like unto them. Now, wait a minute. If you're here this morning and you read verse 8 and, you, and all you see there is irony, and there is irony, obviously, in verse 8. If all you do is you look at verse 8 and you just think it's, quote, interesting that people are, quote, like whatever they worship. What I want you to do with me for the next few moments is listen very, very carefully to the whole counsel of God. Because it is in all of the scriptures that we learn that it's not just ironic what we read there in verse 8. It's inevitable. People become whatever they worship. Whatever people revere, eventually they will resemble And they do so either to great blessing and faithfulness and fruitfulness or to great darkness and barrenness. And for all of us here, and I want to say most especially all of the young people sitting in this room or listening where you are, it is not only an explanation of how and why people act like they do. It not only answers some of the mysteries of life in that regard, it also provides reminders and lessons that we must have from the God of all wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And again, please help us to recognize that this is absolute truth. This is your word, unchanging and perfect in a world that is constantly changing. May we hear it and heed it today, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Before we look again at our text this morning, I want you to notice... Two times, first of all, two times in the book of Romans where the Apostle Paul uses this word. It is the word image. The first one is familiar. It's in Romans 1. And right after Paul says that their foolish heart was darkened. We read these words in verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible, uncorruptible God into an image, there it is, into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, look. He says instead of worshiping the Creator, they worship the creation. Birds and beasts and creeping things. And so the next verse, verse 24 of Romans, says this. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And it goes on in the next several verses to talk about how they themselves began to act like the beasts. Famous verses in, in chapter 1 of Romans. The images that they worship determined how they behaved. That's Paul's first mention of the word image. The second one I want you to notice is in Romans chapter 8. This is right after we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And so, verse 29 says this, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed, here it is, to the image of His Son. That He, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, folks, that is the exact opposite of the other image. So that, in other words, God says this. God says that everyone is being molded and you're being molded in one of two images either it is a perversion of god's creation through some idol or it is the image of the creator himself and furthermore the molding and the shaping of your image occurs by whichever image you praise and you trust Whichever image you trust and praise, thus worship, that's the one that you are being molded into yourself. So we look at our text, Psalm 115, look at it again, verse 7. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. Three lessons this morning. The first one I want you to notice, number one, is the dynamic of the text. And of course... I'm using the word as a noun. You see, Webster defines dynamic as, quote, a force that stimulates change or progress within a system or a process. And yes, beloved, yes. There is a spiritual dynamic. It is all through the scripture. It is undeniable and irrefutable. And it's here in this text, verse 8 again, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Now, beloved, hear this carefully, because you know this. You know that the idea of trust and faith is really what worship is all about. So you know what? Just do this. Go back in your mind for a moment to the Garden of Eden, where man was walking with God in the cool of the day. Perfect trust, perfect fellowship, so that Adam created in the image of God, reflected the God who he worshiped. And this was the divine design, and it still is. But along comes the serpent. And as soon as they began to trust and then listen to that serpent, what happens? Well, suddenly their life reflects the snake. Adam, now he's deceptive. Now he's subtle. He's prideful. He blames Eve for his failures. And of course, Eve resembles the serpent. By she herself distorting the word of God exactly as the serpent did. And then she herself becomes a tempter. You resemble what you revere. Think about Moses. He's coming down, as you know, from Mount Sinai. And he sees the Israelites, quote unquote, worshiping. And what are they worshiping? Jehovah, the true God. Oh, no, no. They're worshiping an animal. They're worshiping the likeness of a calf, a golden calf. And you remember what Moses said. At that moment, he calls them out as stiff-necked, unbridled, wandering, unclothed, herd of people acting there like barnyard animals. They were just rebellious cattle who needed to be culled and regathered. In other words, they became what they worshipped. Emerson was not a theologian, but he was an observer of humanity. And it was Emerson who said these words, a person will worship something have no doubt about that. Those who dominate our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. The book of Isaiah is all about Israel's fall into idolatry. In Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 42, God sees all the idolatry of his people and he essentially goes down and he quotes his own words here in the book of Psalms to those people. God looks at their idols and he says this, Who created thee, O Jacob? Who formed you, O Israel? Yet bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf who have ears. What was he saying? You are just like the idols you worship. And as we noted, Paul quotes the book of Isaiah. The verse we looked at early in Romans chapter 1 is Isaiah's words, and he speaks of idolatrous societies, quote, professing themselves to be so wise they became fools. Why? Because as we noted, verse 25 says, they changed the truth of God into a lie by worshiping and serving the creature instead of the creator. Beloved, if you worship the earth, and earth worshipers are all around us now, If you worship the animals of this earth instead of the one who made them, you will become like the animals and not like God. A growing number of young people, not a massive number, but a growing number of young people in our society today are obsessed with all manner of beasts and creatures to the degree that they themselves now, a generation of young people, the younger and going up, they they themselves profess that they don't feel like they're 100% human themselves. They don't even want to be human. There are entire communities with names like Otherkin and, and Furries and Therians. And it's not just cosplay for some of them. For some of them, it's their religion. And somehow they seem to think that this is u- new, that this is unique in the world of themselves. is not new and it's not unique. Pagan Egypt, primitive tribes, brutal Babylonians and the violent worshipers of Baal. They all, all of them. For centuries and centuries and centuries they dressed and they morphed into animals. They thought nothing of tossing a little infant to a crocodile because the crocodile was more sacred than their own child. So of course they did this. You see the reference there in verse 2 to the heathen. Quote the heathen. And then the first verse of the previous chapter speaks of Egypt. Did you ever notice what Pharaoh in the history books, what in the, the engravings, what he wore? He always had the head and the garment of, of either a leopard or a lion. Did you ever notice the Sphinx, for example, the human head but the body of a lion? And I don't care if it was Egypt or Babylon or Persia or Assyria, all of them. These were all nations and societies that so worshipped animals They themselves acted and behaved like animals. They even slaughtered one another as if they were animals. I was on a visit many years ago. Strange house, strange situation. It was a visitor's card. And a 12 or 13 year old girl slid by me like this slide by me. I thought maybe she was injured. And her mother said, She's a mermaid. And I said, oh, okay, she's pretending. She said, no, she really thinks she's a mermaid. Ever since she watched The Little Mermaid, she's been obsessed. And so she does this thing, and she's been doing it for quite a while now, and we let her go with it. And I said to her, why don't you tell her that she's a child of God? In our society, it's becoming more and more evident that people become what they idolize, become what they worship, which is something that God has said in His Word. For thousands and thousands of years. The second thing in the text, number two, is the decision. I want you to notice the first and the last verse of this great chapter. Verse 1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Now the last verse, verse 18. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise ye the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Both of these texts, the bookends of this chapter, are an admonition. They are a call. To do what? Bless the Lord. Glorify the Lord. Praise the Lord. Trust the Lord. Worship the Lord. Because after all, He does have ears that hear. We sang a few moments ago, and if you were meaning the words, God heard them. And He does have eyes that actually see. And he does have a mouth that's spoken, and inasmuch as it is true that you will resemble what you revere, this is the power and the glory of a godly life. We will never be God, but we can look like God and act like God and resemble God. Well, what is God like? What is the true God like? The God of the Bible. Look at verse 13. He will bless them. That's what God is like. He blesses them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Verse 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. That's what our God is like. Verse 15, you are blessed of the Lord. Across the page, chapter 118, verse 1, oh, give thanks on the Lord for he is good. That's what God is like. He's good. Our God is good. He blesses. He gives. Satan is not good. And people who revere his ways are never good. In fact, they're the opposite of good. But the Lord is good. Back in verse 15, you are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, look at that, the earth hath He given to the children of men. I've known a lot of people that are blessings. A couple, several hundred in this room. A blessing. You're just a blessing. I've known a lot of people that are burdens. Just everywhere. And I can tell you that the most blessed People I've ever known are those who walk in the footprints of the Lord Jesus. They have become like the one they worship. They remind me of Christ. Let me ask you a question. You ever notice how a group of fans, fan is short for fanatic, you ever notice how a group of fans who idolize an athlete start imitating the athlete? They will wear their jersey their shoes. The same one the athlete wears. They might even cut their hair like he or she and adopt their style, repeat their, their mantras. They don't want to be like Mike and they don't just like Mike, they want to be like Mike. And the same thing is true with pop stars. This girl or this guy, they get up there and they start singing about, you know, be yourself. The lyrics are be unique and be true to yourself. There's nobody like you. Don't everybody ever change you? And all the while, she's up there singing those very lyrics. Her adoring fans are screaming along and they look and act and talk just like that star. They're not different. They're just becoming what they idolize. They might even vote who their idol votes for. That's influence. They imitate their dance moves and tattoos and piercings all the way down to their daily diet. It is inevitable. Human beings are reflective creatures. A little girl adores a Disney princess. She'll want to be a Disney princess. Little boys want to be the superhero they idolize. It's absolutely normal to see a little toddler copying their mother or their father all the way down to the shoes. Nothing unusual about a photo of a child in his daddy's shoes or her in her mother's heels. That's what children do. That's what humans do. Here's the only question. The only question is this. What do you want to become? And I said, you young people, what do you continue want to become? whose character, whose quality, whose personality, whose values do you want your life to reflect? You know, when I was young, I did not have a lot of idols, a whole lot of heroes. I certainly had none in the world of music or movies. I didn't have any posters in my bedroom ever of this guy or that girl or whatever. But I did have two sports heroes. And these were athletes, and I pretty much idolized them as a boy. And some of you know who they were. O.J. Simpson and Bruce Jenner. <coughs> I can pick them, can't I? You know, if you become who you idolize, thank the Lord. When I was 12, I got saved and found someone else to worship. Amen. Whew. But Pastor Bruce Jenner just just speaks his own truth. Do you believe that? Do you not recognize the utter selfishness and narcissism of any man who only has 10 years left in his long life to choose to permanently damage his teenage daughters just so he can wear a dress and indulge in his desires? There's nothing noble or heroic about that. There's nothing noble about living just for yourself. And for sure, I don't want to be like (laughs) O.J. Ah, but here's our God. He is the creator of the world. And you know what? The Bible says that He is good, and He is. (laughs) That He blesses and He provides. He's also something else. Look at verse 3. But our God is in the heavens, and He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. In other words, He is strong. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. God is all of these and merciful. So that you know, it's not an accident that those who worship it's not an accident that those who choose to serve the God of this book are more like unto Him and all of His goodness and all of His grace than they are like unto Satan. Jesus said in John 8:44, "To a whole group of people, "Ye are of your Father, the devil, and the lusts of your Father ye will do." The Pharisees, simply became who they worshiped religious or not satan's a liar and guess what they lied satan's a murderer so they murdered all of satan's pride and ambition and greed and darkness was reflected right there in the lies of the deaf and the blind sanhedrin and jesus called them out for it and yet at the same time and in the same nation and of the same blood, there were others who made a different choice. Joseph and Mary, James and John, Peter and Matthew. Do you realize the monumental change in Matthew's life and his future when he pushed himself away from the tax collector's table and decided just to follow Jesus and how it changed his life? When I think of Saul, a man who went from murderer to martyr, From destroyer, which is what he was, to a peacemaker. From mean to merciful. All he did as a Pharisee was choose to worship Jesus. He followed Christ so well and so long, he was transformed into Christ-likeness. And again, you young people in this room hear this. You want to praise and serve and follow the only one? who will make your life fruitful and decent and good and blessed, then listen to verse 1, Unto His name give glory. For His mercy and for His truth's sake, worship Him, for He is good, He is gracious, He is strong, He is mighty, and He is merciful. And more and more as you follow Jesus and this book, more and more your life and your character will will reflect His character. As you seek after Him and not some worldly idol. We said, number one, there's a dynamic. Number two, there's the decision. Number three, here's the destiny. Look at the last verse, verse 17, last two verses. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise you, the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Forever? Forever? It's not just mercy for a few years or half a lifetime or, or all generations, but indeed it says forever? Yes. It is very significant that in the book of Revelation, as God describes the end of all things, you say, Pastor, what's going on? What's the end? Just read the Bible. It's right there. It's like reading the newspaper ahead of time. And as God describes the end of all things, he uses an expression that's found at least 13 times in that one book of Revelation. He speaks of, quote, them that dwell on the earth. Over and over again in the last days, he talks about those as this world grows darker and darker and evil men and seducers wax worse and worse as we were told would happen. The Bible constantly uses this phrase, earth dwellers. It is the most common expression for rebellious man at the end of the age. And when describing their satanic empires and their nations and their societies, he calls them, quote, beasts. Beasts. Leaving their mandate to worship the Creator in Genesis, they don't rule over the beasts. They've become them. Violent. And stiff-necked and untamed, unbridled, and bloody. And yes, that's their destiny. That is where the heathen are headed. But right along, even as it is this very day, there are those the Bible describes as heavenly-minded saints, kings, priests, children of the Most High God. And they, too, became like who they worshiped. That common Old Testament expression you see in verse 11, ye that fear the Lord, these are believers. Believers who, unlike the earth dwellers, love and worship and follow the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's a reminder this morning that all of us here, hear this, all of us are being molded into one of two images. It is either the distortion of God's creation or the image of the Creator Himself who's worthy of all praise. Colossians 3.10 says "Ye had put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Here it is after the image, after the image of him that created him. In other words, the trajectory of our lives is either aimed at grace and glory or it is aimed at destruction and darkness. What people revere, they resemble. And as Dr. Beale once said, either for ruin or Restoration. You know, that text in Isaiah where God says that his people make little idols, that they take wood and gold and silver and they form them and they put an eye here and an eye here and then they put a mouth here and they and they artificially put this idol. Really, what he says, Isaiah is saying, is they're sort of artificially inflating themselves. They're saying, look what I did. Look what I made. And this is what all the isms of the world are, including the ones in our our higher institutions. Look what I have done. Ultimately, the idol, Isaiah says, is just an extension of their own ego. But Isaiah goes on to say, in Isaiah 31, 7, in that day, men, in that day, the day of judgment, men will cast away all his idols, Of silver and gold. Which his own hands have made. Because in that day he will see what it means to be disappointed and to be destroyed by a lie. I wonder this morning, how about us? Knowing the truth. Knowing the dynamic. Will you decide today, again, afresh and anew for many of us in this room. That no matter what society does. No matter as the first part of this chapter in which I taught the young people in Sunday school, when wherefore, verse 2, should the heathen say, where is now their God? Now that something bad has happened. Now that it's 9-11. Now the heathens say, where is your God? No matter what they say, when and where. How about us? How about that indeed our lips and our eyes and our hands that were made by him and thus belong to him, and by trusting and praising and serving and loving him, we become more like him. And by his grace, less and less, like the idols and the beasts of this world. You know, a couple years ago, Ansel and I were in a restaurant. And we were sitting at a booth there on Indian Town Road and, and a teenage girl walks in. And she sits down and Ansley notices that she has a tail. And I do mean a tail, a cat's tail. And not just a tail, but whiskers, little ears, and almost like little paws. And at first I thought she was in a play, that she had come from a show, and was just remaining in character. But it became obvious she was licking her paws, the whole thing, in a restaurant, in a booth that she identified as a cat. And you know, I sat there and he and, and was like, Papa, what is going on? I said, just look at me, just look at me. As weird and frankly as silly as it was, and this since then I've seen it many times, for me it was mostly, and still remains, mostly just sad. It's really just tragic. Because to me, this is a girl who has failed by society, her parents, religion, education. Because you know what's happened, she's grown up in a country that's kicked God out. The creator has no place in her school, in a lot of her churches. God himself, the true God has been kicked out of the world. She may seem like an extreme example But the truth is, you don't have to dress up like an animal to act like one. The Oscars are going to prove that in a couple of months. For God's people, the answer is verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. I don't know about you, but I want to become more like God. Full of truth and mercy and goodness and blessing and fruit and less and less and less like the serpent in the wilderness. Full of death and darkness and lies and deceit. And all God's people said? Amen. Our heads are bowed, please. And our eyes are closed. I wonder who, you know, I was thinking earlier this week, someone said to me, Pastor, is it, is it just me? Is there something wrong with me? I said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a Christian. You believe the Bible. You live the Bible. There is something wrong with the world. But there always has been. There always has been. Pastor Blalock, I'm here today, and I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I've been born again by His grace and His mercy, but in some measure, I needed this reminder Look, if you're a parent or a grandparent, it is your job and your duty and your calling to tell the truth to those you influence, not to go along with their their the world's fantasies or ideas or lies. Tell them the truth. There is one God. There's one mediator between God and man. The man, the man, Christ Jesus. That's it. Pastor Blalock, I'm here today and I'm saved. But as a Christian, I needed this reminder and God has spoken to my heart about something with heads bowed, eyes closed. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building? And Yes, and amen, praise the Lord. Some of you raise your hand. I specifically prayed for you this week. That's wonderful. Pastor, I'm here today and, and I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I were to die today, I don't know I'd be in heaven, but I wanna know it and I need to know it and I want you to pray for me. I won't come and embarrass you, but I will pray for you. Pastor Black, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray with heads bowed, eyes closed? Who would say that? Would you lift your hand high enough to where I can see it? Amen. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you as well. Several. And God sees your heart and your desire. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, obey his voice. Anyone else? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. who will join these several, all right? We're going to stand in a moment and have a time of invitation. And we always do this here every Sunday morning at Beacon Baptist, Sunday night. And during this time of invitation if you want Brother Andy or somebody to show you what it means to be saved then I encourage you to come forward. Christians use this altar. Rededicate yourselves to worshiping and serving God. Here's the thing. If you're saved and you just put the praise and the worship and the trust and the faith of God over here on some shelf, some little piece of the pie of your life, you're still going to be conformed to the world. You're going to become what you really worship the fame, the money, the greed, the covet, whatever. So put him where he belongs, Lord of your life. Father, bless the invitation as we commit it into your hands. We thank you for your word that always in every age and in every place, it is true and it never changes. And you are the creator. And I pray, God, that we'll recognize we will become who we worship. Today, we love you, we serve you, we worship you. We pray with more like Christ each and every day. Bless these who have asked for prayer. And Lord, you saw those who raised their hand. Just raise your hand and said, yes, I'm not saved. I want to be saved. Thank you for them. And continue, Lord, to use this service for your glory as the Holy Spirit convict them of their need for salvation. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.